National Conference President is Comrade Colin Malachi. This is your land. Where are your stories? If these are your news, where are your views? For the Sunday Times Politics Weekly, I am Sisanda Lutambolegwa. Thank you for joining us. This week on the Sunday Times Politics Weekly, we are joined by the recently elected ANC Youth League president. He goes by the name of Colin Malaji, a 30-year-old young lion who has been tasked with ushering young people of this country, particularly under the banner of the ANC Youth League and the mother body as a whole. Now he joins us to unpack a couple of issues that are taking place in the political landscape. He speaks to us about coalitions. He speaks to us about the governance of this country, where there are policy failures and what his term uh, should be defined by and what policies he seeks to take to the mother body and what uh, his team will advocate for uh, within the ranks of the ANC. You asked Mr. Ramaphosa to sit down first. I understand you. Now I warn you. I need to put on my big girl panties and keep going. You can't have two speakers standing at the same time. Security services of the Republic of South Africa, you may intervene. There's been several attempts on my life. Lower that hand. It's not the president is accused of that serious crimes. I know I'm going to become the president of this country. You, you are going to be the president. Of I am going to be the president of, of South Africa. Of South Africa. There's no confusion. Of South Africa. I will cancel rights. Corrupt people do not eat alone. They have a spider web. I'm there. I can lead them. I'm ready to be the president of this country. I now suspend the proceedings. I have warned you. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you for your time. So, President, firstly, congratulations on your unopposed election. I think it has been quite some time that the Youth League has not been as active without an elected structure. And I think a lot of uh, young ANC members are, are, are happy with the outcomes that um, they now have a leadership after quite a hiatus. So briefly introduce yourself to us. Who is Colin Malachi and what can the young people of this country expect from him? Uh, Colin Malachi is a young man from Tembisa who later moved to uh, Chimestan area and um, my family background are from different areas. Uh, others, uh, my mother is from uh, Kwandebele, my father is from Tafulkop. Now I've got exposure of both the areas. Um, uh, I'm, I'm a youth activist, uh, started politics as early as 13 years. Um, I led uh, different youth formation. Including Cossas, uh, the former president of Cossas, when I led at almost all, all levels, I led SASCO at the national level also, and now I'm leading the NC Youth League. I was also given the responsibility to coordinate the Youth League into a conference. Now, that, that is, that's Colin Manage. Take me through your journey um, in your political activism. Take me through the transition from being a Cossas leader to leading in SASCO. Uh, where your core audience or, or supporters are students, um, to where you're now leading uh, the youth league structures, I mean, prior to this uh, election, and also your journey briefly as a member of parliament. Um, take me through the transition and how um, you, you, you have been entrusted with leading in these different circles and areas of life which sort of service different constituencies. Look, what I can confirm is that uh, I don't have a childhood. Uh, because if you have been at the age of 13 years, 14 years, holding a region as a regional secretary of Cossas, 
Uh, it means that most of the time you're in meetings and at that time you're living with very old people because uh, at that time you know, a lot of people were in metric and at <clears throat> that time I'm in grade 7 and going to grade 8 and I'm, I'm their leader at that time as a regional secretary. It was a difficult one but also I was, I was still a rough time on then uh, uh, COSAS teaches you a high level of radicalism and you know uh, you might not know all of the issues but you want things to be done now uh, you're impatient with everything and and uh, you move transition to becoming a problem of COSAS you continue that radicalism and I led at a time as a problem of COSAS when uh, uh, many the youth league was radicalized uh, on the pegel for economic freedom in their lifetime and I'm part of that generation that uh, led the youth league to mold that pegel uh, even when others were expelled and we moved out we we're part of the team that was fighting very hard that, uh, that that youth must be left uh, behind and they must not be kicked out of the ANC. And we still say that was the worst decision ever because we saw what happened post that. Uh, transition to SARS-CoV, yes, uh, after uh, COSAS, I matriculated, uh, went to Varsity, uh, started at the University of Johannesburg. Um, started there when I, was, when I got elected in SARS-CoV, I was in the University of Johannesburg. Then later on, when I was done in the University of Johannesburg, moved to Vets University uh, to study there. I don't think I was strongly active in SASCO. I think I was, um, uh, the politics of the youth league, I was not overexposed by that time, unlike any normal SASCO student. Uh, because uh, by the time I went to Varsity, I was already a deputy chair of a region of the NC Youth League. And I was already dealing with complex issues of the youth league of um, employed and unemployed youth, young professionals, and now the dynamism that came with it. Now, by the time I was in the NC of SASCO, I was already so experienced in student politics and already in the now my act, I always say that my activism in SASCO was just to share experience but uh, I was not a strong strong activist of SASCO uh, I think I was brought into the NEC of SASCO to share that experience I got from COSAS and of, of the NCU League because by the time I was in varsity I was already overexposed uh, I was already a young person with many responsibilities uh, Deployed also in um, different responsibilities in government, you know, uh, I was not a normal student. I always say that I was a student that was working and studying uh, because I was already in the provincial government, later national government, uh, and then uh, local government. I, I always say I've worked in all spheres of government. I've worked in national government. I've worked in provincial government. I've worked in local government. I've got experiences in all those sectors. Ultimately, end up in parliament. Uh, then. Um, Parliament experience was a new experience, and looking at Parliament from far, you might think it's an easy platform. Uh, it's a very complex platform, making laws. Uh, you come into Parliament that has got people who have been there from '94. Uh, you expected to perform at their level, and also there's this hype that young people want to go to Parliament, and there's this there's this hype that they must fail so that it's proven that they, they can't do anything here, they're not experienced to be here, so that no, no any other young person goes there. If they don't give you a lot of work to do to prove yourself, uh, they, they, it's, it's a difficult terrain uh, to learn. You have, there's a lot of work to do. They're making laws not easy. You're expected to make laws, to public hearings. Um, uh, I'm a whip of a committee of human settlement. Human settlement is a complex issue. Remember, I used to specialize in education. Now I moved from where I'm an expert to well, a new terrain. Yes. I'm comfortable to a new terrain of uh, of uh, uh, human settlement, of space I've never been in. Because mm -hmm. even, in, even in local government, I was in environment and waste. Mm -hmm. uh, I was, I've never been to human And when I called, I called with the responsibility of being a whip. Now you can imagine, uh, it was a very difficult we Young people learn very fast. Uh, but what I want to emphasize is that with my experience, that young people must go to parliament. I'm sure even the young people in the opposing parties, they believe that staying there in parliament assists them. And a lot of young people in the ANC don't go to parliament. It becomes a problem because uh, when we get there in parliament, 
we find the young people from opposition parties with more experience than us, sure. but we're the same age. Now it's an exposure issue. We're now starting to learn. Then when you're about to understand, five years ended, you're moved out, other young mm. people. Now, part of the things I'm pushing very hard is that there must be a continuity of young people. Those who are already there, they must not be removed out of that space. There must, be, there must be an addition of others. If you know, I've made a pronouncement that we need 50% of young people in that parliament uh, of different generations, at least up to 40 years, because there's a missing uh, from there's a missing youth that no one speaks about. The youth and of, how was that proclamation received? Obviously, it's going to be a very huge contest. Because you made it publicly, uh, I yeah. think in the, in the formal structure of the ANC, but yeah. I've also made the formal structure of the ANC okay, internally. Yeah, I did that, uh, but it's going to kind of stress resistance, uh, but the, the ANC is a, is a, is a contest terrain. Sure. We are going to go and fight for it, uh, that resolution. But the argument I want to, to raise is that there's a, youth, there's a youth bracket that is above 35 as per the constitution, the, 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 the 36 to 40 years. And no one speaks about them. There's no jobs for them for that youth. They're the uh, missing middle. They're the missing middle in simple terms. They are, they, are, they, are, they are too young to be old. They are too old to, to be, be young. young yes. Now, that is a problem. That, and when we raise that issue, they must be accommodated in that, uh, in that, in that 50% of your representation because they are, they, the ones who are 50 and above, they don't see them as old. They see them as the youth. Ourselves, we see them as old, one of 35. Now, we need to, to find a way because of high level of inequalities in this country and all of those issues. They, they're highly affected. But most, most of them, you'll find that the complete varsity around the uh, age of 33, 34, when they start looking for jobs, they're 35. Uh, it becomes difficult because of different reasons that are known uh, in this country. But those are areas that when we made the pronouncement, we're going to come there. We're not only speaking about parliament, we're speaking about characters of power. You know, um, Young people must be directors, young people must be everywhere in the private sector, they must be given executive responsibilities. We, we want to take charge of our own country because that's the only way we want to shape it. But only the youth league must raise that voice because if there's no voice that is, that is raised, the old will never say they're tired. Uh, that's what I'm wanting to raise. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm interested in this issue of uh, your missing middle. Um, some might argue that we already have a lot on your shoulders with the current uh, under 35 youth that are unemployed. Um, is it is it fair to take on this grouping as well on top of the burden that you already have of advocating for the employment and the upskilling and, and the opportunities of young people which are under 35? Is it fair to say that you're also going to agitate for this missing middle? I know they're, they're a, a marginalized community, as you say, but you already have a mammoth task ahead of you. Are you able? Are you going to be able to deal with um, advocating not only for your constituency but also this additional grouping that you've identified? Look, it's a very huge task. Uh, but if we restructure the economy correctly, we might be able to accommodate all of them. You know, um, we, we went to our conference and our final resolution we took is the, the reindustrialization. You know, there's a lot of economies that should have long collapsed. Uh, if they've not look at China, for example, uh, they've reindustrialized, and and their biggest, biggest, uh, biggest product is labor. You know, uh, and, and that's where we are now. Look, we've got the materials for it. You know, we've got the biggest concentration of platinum. We've got the good weather for processing agriculture. Now, if we reindustrialize and and, and you know, be selfish as a country and say, look, uh, a lot of our youth are running around the streets. We must reskill them. 
uh, we must create corridors uh, of, of of industries, uh, agriculture. You go to Limpopo, Mpumalanga. It's a big agriculture areas. We 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 force industries there to set up factories for processing all of those things. I can tell you now, with the right reskilling and the right credit, we'll be able to employ all of those people. The burden must not only be left at government; it must be shared by everyone because we're all in this country and all want the country to be right. Now, I believe this country, with the blessings we have, uh, being the gateway, being the gateway of Africa alone, you know, creates new opportunities. If we are deliberate about it, we will be able to create employment to a point where we can even import employment. Uh, you know, there are countries that import employment, uh, uh, labor because of um, they import labor because of everyone in their country is working, mm. and everyone is, and we have the capacity to do that. Uh, that's why we need to push harder. We. Uh, I think uh, the elders must understand those who are now in power that if you don't do that, the reality is that uh, it's a ticking bomb. Mm. Uh, this country will go down to train. To a train mm. uh, the, young, the youth will be in drugs. It will revolt. It will burn buildings. Now, we need to understand that even our partners, that were, our trade partners we have, mm. they, we need to make them understand that at the stage we are in, we, we need to revive it's our critical. secondary industry. It's, it's, it's urgent. It's no longer critical now. It's urgent because mm. if you don't, if you don't uh, revive the secondary industry, you, you, and we do have factories, you know, they're closing down. They're, we need to go back. We need to reinvest, inject new resources and funds on those things. I can tell you now, if you do that correctly, most of the funds that we take on social grants and all of those things, if you, if you, everyone is employed, we'll have enough to reinvest in other activities in this country. Sure, sure. Uh, you spoke briefly about how there's a sort of expectation that young people are going to fail once they are, you know, ushered into parliament. Is this an internal uh, um, resistance of the presence of young people in, 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 in the National Assembly? Is it within the party? Is it from opposition parties? Who do you think is, is, is expecting young people to fail once they, they get to those strategic positions? I think it's a societal thing. Okay. Um, you, know, there's a, there's, you know, the ANC has got a lot of young people. And the, the organization I belong to and lead in the youth league in parliament, legislature, more than many other opposition parties claim that they have young people. We, we have checked and we've realized that uh, it's not true. Uh, the, the, the problem is that um, there is a, a hangover that associates the youth with ill discipline, uh, the youth with uh, lack of productivity and focus, and you know, uh, the youth are not ready to take this. There's a fear that if you give these young people this responsibility, they'll take the country to the ground. And what fuels this fear? Where, where is it stemming from? I think those that uh, participated in the liberation of this country, they're still holding on. Uh, they don't believe that uh, anyone else can do it correctly better sure. than them. Uh, it's, a, it's an attachment issue. Because everywhere you have said young people have done well. You know, uh, you, we, we've got many young people in parliament who are doing very well. Uh, they're, they're working very hard in public. You've got Bonon Pendulos. In legislature, you've got, you've got many other young people who are doing well. Now, those young people, uh, they're doing very well and no one speaks about them uh, because they're doing way better than those that have been there longer. It's a hangover. Uh, if someone at the age of over 67 still believes they can go back to parliament because they don't believe anyone else can do the work, it's, some, it's, a, it's an attachment issue. And uh, I think it's a reflection on them because surely if you're leading for that long, there should have been a succession plan in place to ensure that once you retire, uh, the movement you belong to will be able to deploy uh, capable people to take on after you. So I think it's also a, a bit of a, a succession issue. Yeah, I don't think it's a South African issue. 
it's a politics issue. Okay. You look at go to Europe, go to the USA, look at the president, how old is the president of the USA? You know, the countries, the ones who are making the biggest noise about sure. being modernized and all of those things. If you look at them, it's a, it's it's it's, it's politicians have attachment issues, and I, I worry about myself. Right? Maybe one day I'll be like that. That's the biggest <laughs> one. So right? we'll replicate the problem. Yeah, replicate the problem because I don't know what causes that. Yeah. Because. Uh, it, it's, uh, people, these people have led for years. Mm. I'm talking about here yeah, people who have been since '94. You know, they've been uh, ministers, they've been MECs, councillors. Uh, though some of them have been in PE dealings, they've been. I'm saying these are biggest participators mm. in their own country for years mm. before some of us were born. They've been in charge. Yeah. Of, before we could even know that there's something called the youth league, they've been in charge. Now, looking at myself now, I've been in the youth formations for over 16 years. And uh, I'm, I'm tired already. Now, I ask myself, somebody who has been there for 50 years or 60 years, why are they not getting tired? Mm. You know? But maybe I'll discover when I get there at that time if I'll behave like them or not. But I think it's wrong. We must overexpose the youth and uh, allow them to take charge of their own future. Sure. Uh, you also speak of um, this notion that young people are impatient, uh, they want things to get done. And that often comes with the level of radicalism and the impatience with the status quo and just being a radical young lion. Do you think that sort of energy finds expression in today's politics without being dismissed as you being rogue or, or unruly or disorderly? Look, it does. Uh, we are allowed to be radical. Uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a problem of people mixing radicalism with ill discipline. And that is the biggest problem. You can't stop the youth from being radical. It's in them. Uh, the youth get easily radicalized uh, on issues they believe in strongly. But uh, there's, a, this, there's this notion in society that when people ban buildings, uh, protest and ban their schools, uh, associate, that is not radical. That is ill discipline criminality. Uh, and now and those are things that must separate. But, but when you are raising issues sharply on what you want, without fear of anybody or anyone, when you believe in agenda of the youth, then you are ready to fight for it until the end. That is radicalism. Now uh, that is a problem that we are dealing with to try to, to try to educate them on what is being radical. And you can't stop the youth. Youth are born radical sure. because uh, the reality is that when you are in your twenties and mid thirties, you you don't have a lot to lose and you have a lot to fight for. Now, that alone creates radicalism. Uh, when you're only 45, you have a lot to protect. Now, you're about you are bound to be man, manageable. More careful. Have, more careful because you've invested in, you know, everything you say, you're worried about the properties that you've invested in Johannesburg or your family, your kids are in yes. your, Now, how you think is not the same as somebody who's new. 10, 20 years younger than you. Yeah, because yeah. of, he still wants to get more out of this country. Yeah. Sure. Um... Let's talk conference. I know, you know, uh, it's something you've just come out of. Um, you were elected unopposed, uh, yourself and your slate. Um, was that the result of successful campaigning on your end and uh, lobbying across the country in order to get all young people to, you know, raise your name in, in that manner? Or can we entertain... Um, rumors or thoughts that uh, perhaps the ANC had a hand in, in the, the, the restructuring and organization of how um, the Youth League outcomes should, should, should become? I think we had our interview before my conference. Um, and in the interview, when you... Inter you dismissed the heavy hand. Yeah, when you, when you interviewed me, I, the, part of the things I've highlighted as my advantage, because it's important that I raise that, is that uh, 
there's no one below the age of 35 years that has led the youth formation longer than me. That alone is an advantage. I went to uh, this contest, to the infrastructure I've built for the past 10 years. Now, anyone that comes in that time, it might be very difficult. But also, the people that were stronger contenders were affected by age and, and many other issues. Uh, now, those that came in, it was too late, you know, uh, to launch a national campaign three months into uh, to a conference against someone who's been campaigning uh, since 2018. For years, yeah. Now, I think that was an unfair... That's why when people are speaking about heavy hands, of, I was shocked what are they talking about because I've campaigned since 2018 uh, to be president of the ANC. Like, a conference was postponed, it was COVID-19, there was many other issues. Now, uh, where were these elders at that time? Uh, they were not there. Some of them were elected post me campaigning. Uh, now, it, it, it's just a propaganda that has been created to create, but no one is questioning whether Colin has been there or not. Uh, whether Colin is capable to lead the youth league or not. Uh, they, they always mention the SG, that the SG is putting his hand in my things and blah, blah, blah. But the, the fundamental question is that I, when the SG was exiting as a president of the NC Youth League uh, in Mangaun Conference 2008, uh, I was a branch secretary of the NC Youth League. I was the youngest delegate in that conference. Now, I'm saying, well, you're speaking about different generations that sure. have belonged to of the... And no one speaks about that history. Uh, it, Obviously, a lot of graduates of the youth league are bound to likely to associate with me because in the generation that is left, I'm the only one that they know so far that I've associated with, that they know my politics. And even those that differ with me, they differ with me because they know me. Sure. Maybe they don't like my style of leadership. Now, those who agree with me and those who differ with me are people that know me. That's why I also accept criticism from those who differ with me and accept support from the support because those are people that have spent time with me. Now, unlike the ones that have arrived who were affected by disbandments of the youth league, a lot of young people who joined the youth league post-2013 were highly affected. They were never really been exposed to a vibrant youth league. Yeah. Now, they are getting to a youth league that, you know, with a colon that has been in both phases. I've seen a, a vibrant youth league and I've seen the youth league go down. I've seen the youth league being dissolved. So I've seen phases, teams. Yes. Yeah, I've seen faces, different faces mm. of the youth league, and and now you you then because the youth league is fourteen to thirty five, uh, then there are young people who are never exposed. Some of them were maybe in varsity at that time. Uh, after varsity, they went back to the communities, sure. and when they got there, they started to be involved in community politics and join the youth league. They are contesting against someone who's been there. You know, those are now the hand issue. It's a, it's a non-starter. The nomination of branch was clear. I got over two thousand. Uh, nominations of all branches. A person was contesting together with 68 branches. Now, uh, there's no way less of ANC, SG can put hands in 2,000 and something branches. He did not even get those nominations for himself to be elected as SG. <laughs> yeah, now, in how, December, yeah. How does he get it for me when he can't get it for himself? Sure. You know, yeah. I'm just saying those are part of the areas that I'm trying to say. It's, it's, a, it's a myth created by people who want to create and uh, uh, want to erase history and put mm. me in a position like someone who's a puppet of elders. Those people are not even elders. They're my peers, you know. Uh, they might be older than me by age, but I've, I've served in them in their youth days uh, who are controlling me. There's no way they can control me, mm. you know, because I know their politics, they know my politics, and they know I'm not a person that you can wake up in the morning and control. Mm, mm. Mm, mm. Uh, economic freedom or death um, was sort of your slogan uh, through your campaigning and um, after conference. Are you... Are you Pivot or piloting your 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 term on this uh, economic freedom or death slogan, and do you think that it will find expression not only in the youth league um, as a whole but also in the ANC? Look, I've I want to base my four-year term 
into the issue of the economy. Sure. I've told people I'm not going to be all over. There's a lot to be done in this country. But I, I told myself that there's two things I want to... There's this, this big thing of the economy is the biggest thing. Because if you don't address the issues of the restructuring of the economy, everything else will collapse. Uh, the art and culture industry will collapse. Uh, the, everything else will collapse. Your, your, the media industry. We, we need to get uh, the resources in the hands of the majority. Those are my politics until the term ends. And, and those are politics that have been neglected in the youth league after the, the disbandment of the youth league because there was fear instilled that if you dare say this thing, it means you are EFF. Mm. Now everyone was scared to speak the language because when that language was really the language of the youth league, uh, we were there in 2011 ourselves. Mm. We were part of the team that uh, came up with these ideas of uh, the coming freedom in our lifetime. It was, it was a baby of the NC youth league. Uh, the youth league ran with that thing. We even walked you know, to show how much we're committed. We sure. walked to the JSE, walked to the union building, fighting for all those things. It was our voices. If if you have my old records when I was still president of COSAS, you'll get that. That has always been our language. But that fear was instilled. Then uh, people are scared to speak about it anymore. And uh, it, it was owned now somewhere else, so it's not supposed to be owned. Now we say, and no, now no. you're brave enough to bring it back now within the ranks of the NC. Yeah, you must bring it back within the ranks of the NC. The, the generation is leading the NC now, the generation that belongs to the... We've succeeded in Nazareth. We've removed those who don't believe in our agenda. We've instilled an agenda of economic freedom fighters there. We've removed 36 NEC members. Of, I don't know if you've seen how mm, youthful mm. is the NEC of the NC. And people don't Quite. speak about it. We've, we've succeeded. We've removed 36 old NEC members and instilled a new generation. When I sit in the NEC, I'm an NEC member now. It's of quite the youthful. NC. Yeah, I'm an NEC member now of the NC. When I sit there in the NEC, I look at this pool. Some of the ones them the youth league. I'm seeing the people that I grew up with them. You know, uh, now, but more must be done. You sure. Know, uh, we need to now those people who are there are not people who, are people who believe in this agenda of uh, uh, economic freedom, uh, the restructuring of the economy. Uh, there's a lot happening in this country. There's a there's a gas issues that are coming on board. There's issues of the new. Just transit of energy. There's there's a lot that's gonna happen. You know, mm. I've, I've, I've even the president made a pronouncement that all households must have solar panels to try to assist to to fix the energy crisis in the country as part of the solutions that are bringing on board. Those things must be manufactured here. It must be manufactured here because they must be maintained. Must train artisans because when you put them there, they must be maintained by someone. But you can't put them and leave them there sure. and expect some. And you can't take them from China. And bring them here to when you have factories to do that. Now, I'm saying there's just a law that's going to happen in this country mm, that needs mm, us to be mm, the drivers of it. Mm. Now, you can't be drivers of it if you don't speak about it. You must own it. Sure. Because if you don't own it, someone else will own it and they'll say, they'll redirect you to a direction you need to take. That must be us who are in the driving seat of that. And I think the ANC as an organization is ready for that. The ANC is well aware. They must not make a mistake of thinking the ANC is not aware that if it does not move faster, we'll go out of power. Okay. The ANC is well aware that uh, if you don't move on these issues, the people of South Africa have lost patience and uh, they'll, they'll make big mistakes. Uh, they'll vote for political parties that don't care about them. Uh, look at Nswane, for example. Uh, the DA doesn't service uh, townships. Clear. Yeah, it's evidence. Uh, you go where whatever the NC has been doing, the gains are reversed. The, we're doing subsidies. We're subsidizing people to water. We subsidize people electricity. Go to a Kurlanias. When it doesn't charge, remove all of those subsidies. Mm. It's only when people felt that yeah, when my electricity was subsidized at this percentage by the NC government. Now those ones are running a business. Mm. They don't care about this thing of saying that no, there's a social contract, there's high level of inequalities. They are running a business. They want their municipalities to have resources and function. If you don't pay, you don't get services. 
Yeah, with no consideration are. for uh, those who are poor, who are inequality. Poor. They're, they're, they're using a model of peace because ideologically they don't believe in such. You know, they don't believe in. They say in state welfare. Yeah, they say this thing about doing the state welfare, we're running a charity state, mm, and all those mm. things. But we understand the background we're coming from. You know that there's a lot of things that must be addressed. You know, um, you know there's a new debate now that the the opposition wants to bring that NEFSA students must be charged interests. On the, you'll only raise those things if you don't understand the real condition. Even that money that is given to is not even enough. Mm, now, if mm, you take it through, you still charge them, then you're creating another problem on top of a problem. But you need people who are conscientized to understand those conditions. You can't say uh, things are, are changed. They've not changed. You know, I can give you a history. The, the 10 years of ANC governing was, was not governing. It was, uh, it, was, it was a stage of uh, trying to set up systems for people of South Africa. Because it was unit, government of unity, it was, there were just too many things. Uh, the system was still not in our hands for the past 10 years. And now you, there's 19 years that you want to come in. And in that 19 years, you are faced with problems of corruption. Even where you say you, you are investing resources. Look at uh, power stations, you know. Those are good programs. But we've allowed them to be corrupted. To disintegrate uh, as disintegrate. well. I'm saying those are good programs that the NC government put in place to resolve crisis that we're dealing with now. We'll not be dealing with crisis of low shading now. Because the ANC white paper, we knew very well that at a certain point, because of how we've distributed electricity, we've taken electricity even where it was not there. Now we had to build more power stations to, to support the generation issue of the electricity in that sure. area. But when you sabotage the power stations and you electrify houses, you have a crisis because you can't, there's no enough infrastructure to be able and energy to supply to all of these people. Because you can say, yes, you've built, uh, you've, you've taken uh, in the deep areas of Tuchua, you've put in electricity, but if you can take it to supply, then maintain the crisis. But there were plans in place. Mm. Power stations were built. They were not completed on time. They were, they were faced by corruption. It's acknowledged in reports. They sure. were faced by corruption but, and all but of those now, things. Sure, you build power stations uh, with the intent of supplying electricity to the people of this country. You encounter problems of sabotage. Whose responsibility is it to mitigate those issues? Is it not the ruling parties? Look, is it, I, there's another lobby I'm bringing to the ruling party now, okay. which is I want us to be deliberate in the ruling party. This system that we're using all of this is not the work of saying that People who are not conscientized and believing the program of the party must be employed on the basis only of qualifications. It does not work anyway. When you when you elect a ruling party in power, people expect service from the ruling party. People don't want to hear that uh, there was a Colin who, because was the best performing in the interview, is unemployed, but does not believe in the manifestos of the ruling party. But it must be the driver of the agenda of, of the, the very same policies. Now we're sabotaged by our own system. Politicians don't don't side. Politicians don't deploy. Politicians take decisions and give it to administrators to deal with it. But that's where things are, that's where the mess is happening, that's where the corruption is happening. And no one speaks about it. The, the biggest corruption happens in supply chain offices, happens in that. that is, those are the people that deal all of those things. Uh, politicians, uh, you know, those who are corrupt, they, when they get arrested, they get shocked, they can't even pay for lawyers. Because these officials come and try to corrupt them with small money, and they, you know, they corrupt them, they give them small money, they can't even live on it. But they, co- they want to steal the biggest chunk of the municipalities and collapse government and do all of these things. And the moment you allow those people to corrupt, you can't even do oversight on them because you've taken resources from them and all of those things. But the biggest problem is in administration. That is number one. There's two problems the country is facing outside the issue of politicians is the administration that is led by people who are not ready to serve. Because when you work for government, you're not employed. You are a servant, a public servant. Now, when you're a public servant, it means you go overboard to resolve problems of the country. 
That is the role of a public servant. Sure. That's why you don't say you're employed. No, no, you're a public servant. Now, it means that there's no... Even means must wake up at night to come to the office so that services are done, you must do that. Yeah? There are people that are not dealing with, you're not disciplining the private sector. The private sector is not coming on board in this country. They are comfortable in their own corner. They don't care. They are obsessed about the maximization of profit. And no one speaks about that. Because they're obsessed about the maximization of profit. Now, we have not been able to discipline them. You'll find a job that's supposed to be done by 10 people is done by 1%. Yeah, you go to retail, our, our young people are exploited in retail. The, she, the person opens a shop, later on cleans the shop, does stock taking, then later on is a tailor. Now, what is that? Is that not exploitation? That is sure. a job of four people. Sure. Now, because the private sector want to maximize profit, they do all of these things. I'm saying people are overworked and underpaid in our own country, and we can't be quiet about those things. Now, we need the labor department to come in. I'm saying that is where politicians must take charge as politicians. We can't. We can't, we can't allow capital to do as they want in our own country when our people have voted for us to take care for this country on their behalf. Now, we can't be apologetic in those areas. Sure. It's interesting that you mention how um, or what rather you think should qualify a, a public servant, that it shouldn't just be the, the most uh, best performing in an interview or the, the, the better academically qualified individual, but also that they should believe in the policies they are meant, that they are meant to drive um, in those offices there's a heavy pushback against catered deployment, and for me, it sounds like that's what you're 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 advocating for. Uh, distinguish this 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 idea for me. It's 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 rational to push back catered deployment. There's no political party that's not doing doing catered deployment. Uh, you go anywhere, even those who are saying against catered deployment, go and check where they're governing, where they're deploying. They've deployed people in office who don't even metric. They've deployed. Uh, Somebody's a certificate of body building and to be a chief of staff <laughs> in the municipality. You don't speak about those things. Yeah. Uh, I'm saying there's no political party anywhere in the world mm. that will want people to, to be there, not drive their agenda. Because we are elected on our manifesto. Now, if you are employed in our departments, you are employed to implement our manifesto. Sure. You can't go, we're given majority vote to do that. Now, you can't come yourself and say you want to implement a DA manifesto in ANC-led government. It doesn't make sense. And I'm, and I'm, I'm going to emphasize this thing. The biggest mistake the ANC government did was not to vet who comes into their system. You, it, there's no way. It can't and be this vetting process, would it include checking for an ANC membership? Perhaps? No, no, it doesn't have to be an ANC membership. We need to have an understanding that you are conscientized enough okay. to understand the agenda. You don't have to be an ANC active member. We're saying that, no, we need to understand, you need to share the same vision with us. That is the most important thing. You need to know what are we driving. Uh, if we're saying one nation building, what is that? You need to understand all of our programs. If we're okay. saying, well, now we don't need someone who is in our own chair, but contesting the policies the ANC wants to implement. Okay. You must no, be fired for that. If, you, if, fired if, if, I for become, that. if I become a president of the guard, red, you, I've got a, a TG who does not believe in my policies, what is doing in my office? Must be fired. You won't drive my agenda. Sure. Now, I'm, I'm judged on what I'm driving as a president in office. Now, you can't have someone who doesn't believe in the program. But remember, administrators are the main implementers. Now, if they can and the implement... the political head just oversees. Yeah, oversees and pronounces. We sit there, do big speeches, announce, uh, next week we want to open 50 schools. Who must build those schools? Uh, the administrators there, who must build the schools and make sure that the plans are implemented. Mm. All right. Um, are you happy with the state of the ANC and its current leadership? I'm happy. I think it's a breath of fresh air. Uh, it's got its own challenges. But the new generation that is in is giving you energy. You can see they're very busy. They're meeting breaks. They're up and down. They're, 
meeting organizations, stakeholders. That is the energy you've been waiting for for years. We just hope they keep momentum and the unity. I know it's about seven months into office. Uh, let's, they have more months to prove themselves and yes. Uh, we need to keep them united. Uh, we need support. We'll be there as a youth link to watch them. We'll be the first to pronounce against them if they do wrong things. Uh, we're not going to be apologetic. They, they know us. Yeah. That will be watching them. Uh, this weekend we're going to a conference of the Women's League. Uh, we want to make sure the Women's League comes back intact so that all structures of the NC are intact. We're going to the Women's League, Veterans League. Uh, the days of tax teams have ended. We're going to have proper structures to make sure that uh, we fight very hard that the NC comes back into power in 2024. All right. And this vibrant energy that you're sensing in, in the current NC leadership, do you think it's it's not too late? Because we're a couple of months ahead of the elections. Do you think that amount of time we have now uh, until the elections in 2024, do you think that's enough um, of a space to prove to the nation that the ANC is indeed renewed? It's not enough. Uh, they left, we left to work extra hard. Uh, it's not enough. Uh, we don't have enough time to to prove that. But I think we're working very hard uh, to assist that process. Uh, we, we need everyone to assist us to explain that, that the ANC is getting renewed every day and is the only political party that can resolve all social economic challenges of this country. All right. Um, let's speak about uh, the NC president. I mean, we are at a very critical time now, particularly because we're months away from, from the national election. But here we have an NC president who has sort of a dark cloud hanging over his head with this unresolved uh, palapala matter and issues that are, that are and allegations that are before him. Do you think that the matter was dealt with adequately? Or, or do you think that perhaps the ANC's Integrity Commission uh, should come to the fore and, and join in on the conversation? The president is the first to send to quote. He's not one to be called in tactical. He went himself. He said, I want to come here and explain myself. He went and explained himself. Uh, the public protector report uh, cleared him. He has, submitted, he has subjected himself also to other entities to investigate him. Uh, as a consular democracy, we, we wait for those processes because we don't want to pronounce on things that we. The, so far, it's been cleared by one part of it. Now, there's no cloud over his head. Unless and you have trust. trust in those processes? Look, well, we trust our own in, in, entity, uh, institutions uh, because if you don't trust our section, the institutions are going to have a crisis because those are the important uh, protectors of our own democracy. Uh, you, you, you start creating doubts around the judges, you start creating doubts around, then you will have no country. Then now you'll have a banana republic because that is what protects this democracy. It's the most important foundation. Sure. Uh, let's talk local government. You've mentioned that you have experience there. Um, what we're seeing unfolding in our municipalities and with coalition arrangements has been quite disheartening to say the least, especially on the part of residents who are eagerly waiting for services and quite frankly don't care about this power sharing and power play and these power grabs that we're seeing unfolding among the political parties and the instability that we're seeing there. What is your view on coalitions in the metros particularly among the different political parties who do you think the ANC is better suited to work with? Who do you think they should stay away from? Um, and hopefully you, you'll take me through this view, not only from a municipal level, but also uh, nationally. Look, I am of a strong view that whoever gets majority must govern um, so that it takes responsibility of their own municipalities or national government. Partnerships don't work. can give you an example. Um, when you call an imbizo, uh, let's say in the Korean, for example, or the EFF and the NC. Uh, co-sharing. Now, when they ask about houses in that Mbizo, the EFF will say, I don't know anything about houses, ask the ANC. When you ask about um, uh, environment and waste, 
collection. The ANC they don't ask us the, ask the EFF. belongs to yeah. the EFF. Now no one takes responsibility. Now you can't govern that way because uh, uh, you need someone to take responsibility for whatever happens there. That was bound to collapse because uh, there's no center uh, of governing. Now I think the best thing to do is to regulate this thing of collusion and, agree, and uh, there's an agreement that whoever gets majority votes governs. Because if you co-govern with many people who don't believe in your ideas, and you're bound to collapse. And there's a high level of support. Look, municipalities are collapsing because of that. It's not working, this thing. It has proven not to work. Um, uh, there's no municipality that's doing well now, you know, because of this system. Now, I've, I've got a strong view that I must do. Uh, the partnership must stop. This thing of having a mayor there, M's of EFF there, ANC there. These people don't believe in the same principles and programs. How do was a mayoral committee belongs to the mayor. Ne? A mayoral committee sure. belongs to the mayor. The mayor delegates powers to a mayoral committee. Now, how does a mayor of the ANC delegate powers to a, a, a MMC of, of the EFF, EFF or TA who don't agree with the same uh, policies and principles? It doesn't work. It creates an implementation crisis. the same crisis. argument I was raising now yeah. about you can't work with people who don't believe in your ideas. Sure. Because the face is the mayor. He's charged on the work that is done. But he's got a mayoral committee that is not his. Oh, yes. Yeah. So what do you then think should happen in an instance where, sure, the, the ANC is in a majority there, but they don't um, possess enough numbers in order to, to demand, as you say, that they should take the lead. And in a case where parties say, OK, we're going to go into a coalition with you, like in the case of Joburg, but we do not want an ANC mayor here. What do you think should happen then? The ANC must never agree to that. The ANC... So they should go to the opposition the bench. must go to free benches. They've not got the majority to govern. The people of South Africa do not give them the majority. They must go and win back the confidence of the people. He must not want to lead through back doors. Mm. The NC is a democratic. The NC must be affirmed by the people of South Africa to govern. If the people of South Africa are saying, we don't want you to govern now, they must go back to the ground and explain to them why they must govern. Because we, we said we are a parliament of the people. We're not going to impose ourselves on the people of South Africa. If the people of South Africa are saying that they don't want us now to govern, they're not happy with us, we must sit back and give another political party that they voted for to govern. That's how it works. But if you want to do via back doors, I can tell you now, you are going to end up leading with people who don't agree with you morally. I can give you an example. In Johannesburg, the ANC, they must pull out of that collusion that they have. The ANC is busy with the PA. Who the PA that deployed the Kenukunene, who was a convicted criminal, who when he came back out of prison, did not show remorse, further did parties and ate sushis on top of women. How does an ANC work with such work a person? With that it can't. It's morally wrong. It must be stopped. All right. Uh, just lastly, um, take me through just a synopsis. I know you mentioned earlier that your term will sort of be uh, 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 based on economic freedom, and, and that's what you'll be advocating for within not only the Youth League but the NC as, as a whole. Um, what are some of the other policy areas that you think will, will require your intervention and, and, and your, your sort of support um, not only within, obviously, the Youth League, but also the, the mother body structure. And uh, what would you like your term as Colin Malachi to be remembered as? See, the, the biggest thing in this country now, which we've resolved also, we'll propose is the, uh, you see, we have a big problem in this country of uh, illegal foreigners. It's a big problem. I'll tell you why it's a big problem. It's a big problem because when you say you're illegal, it means you can't be accounted for. 
Now, when you plan an infrastructure plan, whether it's schools or hospitals or whatever, you plan around people you can account for. Now, that is not being xenophobic when you say illegal foreigners. They, now, we have that situation in this country, which we must address and must act on it. There must be acts that protect us from it. Because there's no one, any country, that will want to have people in their own country that they can account for. The dangers of that, apart from the infrastructure stress, the dangers of that is that Anyone who's in the country legally, when it does a crime, it's very difficult for the police to trace them because they can't account for them in this country. That is number one. If they collapse buildings, they sell drugs, they do all of these things, it means you, you have people roaming around your own country that you don't even know. Now, it's a security issue. Now, it's something that we must deal with. But are we also attributing all of the, the, the lawlessness to no, people no. that we can't account for? Or, or are we also acknowledging that uh, South Africans are also could be... Um, no, no, we're acknowledging that Africans could be. Okay. Uh, but I'm saying that the, 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 what you can't ignore sure. is that uh, illegal foreigners participate in it. And the difficulties about them is that you can't account for them. That is a problem about them. When South Africans do crime, they will trace them, they're from there, they've got IDs, they've got, you can trace. For, now, illegal foreigner can kill you now and go back to wherever they come from. No one will know who has killed you. That's a problem we're dealing with. They can hijack your car. They can, now, but South Africans get able to do that. But another issue is that we must regulate local businesses. Um, we, we, it's, it's, we, we can't have a situation whereby our local businesses are in foreign hands. Uh, that, that one must be. It's, it's, that is a business that must be fully, fully put aside for South Africans. You're referring to the township economy? Yeah, the township economy. I'm saying tech shops and South Africans must deal with that. It, it has sustained a lot of households for many years. And and our old shops can't compete with uh, the, the foreigners in the township because they, they've created a spider web on how they trade and among themselves and at a cheaper rate. Uh, and, and when are you expected to compete with them at the, at the, at the price that you, you, you deal all of those things. But also, they don't have a responsibility in the country to take your families and, and all of those things. Now, tech shops in South Africa have sustained many families for years. It's a big economy uh, that circulates around there. It's an economy that must preserve strictly for South Africans. I think those are big policies that I think are, uh, I'm pushing very hard in the ANC. I'm interested in how that can be implemented. Are you saying government now goes around closing down uh, shops owned by uh, foreigners and replaces them with with south african owned uh, shops in the same uh, venues and communities i'm interested in the i get your your principle behind it um but i am interested in the implementation of it yeah when you have a law in place that uh, tech shops must be owned by all south africans that must happen now uh, if you're not south african you can't own a tech shop uh, that's a law you 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 can't move around that law uh, there must be specific business that, that can be done by foreigners uh, in this country. That doesn't happen only in South Africa, it happens in many, many other countries. Uh, because uh, then we create systems and funding models in place that will assist those shops to, 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 empower. to empower them. It goes back to the issue of the industrialization, the issue of warehouses. Now you need to create a network of that uh, to support them. You can't just send them there for them to fail. Then you'll be assisting that township economy business. We can't slogan about it. It's a waste of resources for us to say we're funding small business and townships, but they can't compete. 
I can give you stock today and everything. But if you're going to sell and you, no one will buy from you because you're selling at a price that is as per what it should be sold by someone else sold below because of most cases that's taking them elsewhere, these things and all of those things. Now, but I'm saying let's regulate that sector and let's not leave it to float. It's a sector that must regulate and protect. Sure. Are you confident that you'll be able to rally the youth of this country behind the NC banner ahead of next year's elections? We're working very hard. It's not going to be easy. Uh, but as long as we address the issue I've spoken about and the ANC commit to address them, the youth will just fold it. The youth of this country love the ANC. They're just frustrated. Uh, that's why they don't go to vote. They don't go to vote because they're frustrated that the ANC is not doing what it should be doing. Uh, they'll never vote for it because they know the ANC knows what's right. Now, the ANC must resolve all of those problems. It's upon the ANC to resolve the problems of the youth for the youth to vote for the ANC. Sure. And then lastly, the Colin Malachi legacy, what do you want your presidency and tenure to be remembered by? It was remembered by the restructuring of the economy. It was remembered by politicizing the youth of this country and making sure that all social economic challenges are resolved and building a strong ANC. All right, thank you very much. That was Colin Malaji, a recently elected NC Youth League president, sharing with us there a brief uh, background on his activism, his journey in politics, uh, his recent election, and also just his vision for the country as we head towards uh, not only the beginning of his uh, tenure as the NC Youth League president, but also um, ahead of 2024 national elections. President, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate having you here with us today. Uh, That was the Sunday Times Politics Weekly.